And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic weekend. Great show for you today. I was joined by my friend Eric Brakey. Uh, Eric is hard at work running for his old seat in the Maine State Senate right now, so I figured he's the perfect person to discuss uh, the the issues that voters truly care about heading into the midterms this November, uh, and I would love for this to be a lesson to Republicans running for office all over the country. Um, uh, before we get to Eric, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Eric Brakey. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Eric Brakey. Eric, how you been, man? I'm doing well. Working like a dog, knocking doors every day. Yeah, man, I can see that. You've been campaigning your ass off, you know, getting the message of liberty out to the folks in your Senate district up in Maine. Uh, I want to start by asking you, you know, when you're meeting these people every day, what are the issues that they want to talk about? Because, like, corporate media, they're attempting to, to rile people up. You've seen this over the last couple of months over, over the abortion issue after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, Congress just spent, like, another three-quarters of a trillion on like climate change stuff and, and doubling the size of the IRS, <laughs> you know, and the press thinks that uh, spending money is going to help the Democrats. And and some polls that I really don't buy into at all are, are putting abortion, the Roe v. Wade stuff as like a top issue for voters. That's not what I'm seeing. And that's not what I'm hearing from, from people I talk to. So when, when you're meeting people every day on their doorstep, you know, what are real Americans up in Maine telling you about their conter- their concerns and priorities? Well, I do hear a variety of things as I go door to door. Um, I mean, the most common thing is to hear about the economy, people who are concerned about inflation, people who are concerned about workforce shortages that are hitting every aspect of our economy, from shortages of healthcare workers to even just like you know, the local guy who runs a, a, a local small contracting business who can't find enough people this year to, to fill the jobs. Um, these are the, the number one concerns I'm hearing about. I, I do go to some doors, though, and people do bring up abortion. Um, and and uh, sometimes they're pro-life people. Sometimes they're pro-choice people. Uh, and that does kind of create opportunity for kind of conversation about, you know, how we look at this from a state level. Um, but but by far, um, you know, in, in my experience, I think the folks who uh, their number one priority is abortion are tend to be people who, for the most part, have already are already in kind of one camp or another uh, as far as kind of the, you know, they're voting Republican or Democrat. And it's more something that perhaps motivates uh, the different bases to come out and vote. So I do think for the Democrats, perhaps. Um, you know, abortion being uh, an issue uh, this election cycle motivates some of the Democrat base to come out in maybe a way that they might they didn't have as much of a reason before. Uh, but as far as swing voters, you know, I don't hear too much about it from swing voters. It's typically people who are already voting Democrat no matter what. Right. Right. And these polls that that show that abortion is a top issue, they're they're really misleading because 
Uh, I remember one. I'll tweet it out. I'll find it and tweet it out when the show's up, um, if I can find it. It was last week, and it was like, um, I think it was like a, it might have been a Harvard Harris poll. I'm not sure, but um, it was like abortion is 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 voters' number two issue, and it was like number one by far was the economy. Number two they had as abortion, but number three was inflation. Four was like the price of gas. Five was the price of food. It was like so like seven of the top eight issues were all could be under the umbrella of mm. the economy. And it was like 80% of respondents said the economy and abortion. It was like 9% or 7% or something. So it's like the, the poll is completely misleading, but I just don't think the press and the left can, can propagandize this one away. Cause I mean, people understand it. They don't need to have read like the Austrians and all that to understand economics. All they have to do is just understand their own budget understand their own paycheck and their own bank account. I mean, like, people, it, it's a lot easier to propagandize on behalf of, like, foreign policy, you know, because it's very complicated, right? Like, people didn't understand the, the the intricacies of the Syrian civil war and how there was, like, 27 different factions all warring with each other. Like, people don't have the time to, to comprehend those things. But people understand when, you know, the price of chicken and beef has tripled. You know, they understand when they can't afford to, to heat their house and stuff like that. So it's like... I, it's funny that the left is trying to spin so hard yeah. on economic issues because I just don't think I, I propaganda works. And that's why people have been propagandizing for thousands of years. But when it comes to their own bank accounts, it's just hard for me to believe that people are going to buy it. Well, and one thing I will tell you as I talk to voters, people are not just concerned about the price of filling up their gas tank right now or the price of groceries right now. One of the very common fears that I hear is the coming winter. Uh, especially here in Maine, and I'm sure in many of the colder areas of our country, yeah. um, a lot of families, particularly you know families who are on the margins, you know, lower middle class families, heat their homes with heating oil, and the prices are through the roof. And we're going to come to a time this winter if things do not change, and I fear things are going to get worse, not better. Uh, we're going to come to a time where people are going to have to make tough decisions between heating their homes and filling their grocery carts. Uh, and and people on the margins are going to be pushed off those margins. Um, it's a, it's it's I mean, this is what inflation does to an uh, economy. It, it, it goes after the middle class. It squeezes the middle class of their savings, their paychecks. And it's a wealth transfer to uh, the politically well connected when they print trillions of dollars out of thin air. And then they just try to blame someone else it's russia's fault it's big business's fault when it's uh when it's the member it's those in congress who keep voting for trillion dollar deficits and monetizing the debt by just having the federal reserve print trillions of out of thin air yeah and the democrats are so obsessed with spending money and a lot of republicans too but um the corporate press obviously agrees with these people that spending is the answer. So the coverage, like, you know, they, they just passed another $750 billion on, on doubling the size of the IRS, raising people's taxes. Right. You know, they're doubling the audits on, on, on the middle class. Um, and, and the press coverage, is, it's they're like, well, Joe Biden finally turned his presidency around. <laughs> it's like like spending. That only makes sense if spending is the goal. Like that is their objective. Like, OK, we yeah. got it done. We're spending money. And they, they just believe that people will vote for you if you spend money. And that that's completely ridiculous. I mean, like you can't just subsidize Tesla's. And, and expect people to, to vote yeah. for you. That's just divorced from reality. But, like, how you do get people to vote for you is give them their freedom back, like actual smart policy. I mean, that's why people should vote for you up in Maine, because you've proven that you can you can get stuff done, you know, constitutional carry, right, right to trial, the stuff that you accomplished. And uh, 
recently Arizona's legislature passed and their governor, Doug Ducey, signed the broadest school choice law ever in the country. Uh, it went into effect last week. Parents in Arizona, they, they get uh, seven grand per kid uh, to send them to whatever school they want. And Arizona parents crashed the government website over the weekend. I saw because that. Because so many of them were signing up for this program. So, like, I bet those, you know, those, those state legislators... Uh, can rest easy when they're running for re-election because, you know, giving parents the, the freedom to choose where to send their kids to school isn't just sound policy, right? It's it's correcting a, a, a grave moral injustice. And it also happens to be extremely popular. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about giving disadvantaged families a leg up and equal opportunity. School choice is how you do that. You, you break, uh, you know, fam- you break families, you break students out of these these prisons of zip code segregation and you give families real choice to be able to pick the school that best matches the needs of of their of their kids uh it's amazing what they've done in arizona i know that other states have passed similar laws but arizona really kind of went in went right into the deep end um you know, other states, it's you could only qualify if you're under certain kind of income thresholds. Uh, but I think in Arizona, it's any family can take can request the state taxpayer funds that would go to their local public school and say, you know what, we're, we're we think there's a better fit for our student. We're going to claim those funds and we're going to take it with us somewhere else. Uh, that's uh, I mean, it's I think it's the best school school choice program in, in the country. Uh, but I want to add, you know, something to what you were saying before. You know, you were remarking on the corporate press and how they seem to believe that, oh, it's just spending money. This is what the people want. Um, when it's clear with cases like Arizona, what the people really want is freedom. Um, and uh, and when given the opportunity, you know, people people take it, um, you know, I'm not sure if they really believe it or not, but I know that they want us to believe it. I mean, the, the corporate press, you know, is not independent media. It's uh, they, they directly benefit and they're directly tied in to this system of mass plunder of the American people. I mean, look at all the commercials when you turn on CNN. Who are the commercials for? Fire. Boeing and yeah, big Boeing. pharma co- <laughs> yeah. companies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about that. You know, I, you ever stop and wonder when you're watching CNN? Why is Boeing advertising on CNN? How many people watching CNN are in the market for like a multi-million dollar jet? But no, it, they're, they're, it's a payoff to these companies to provide the coverage and the propaganda to sell the big government policies to the masses that continue to allow these companies to enrich themselves off of corporate welfare. Uh, so it's a it's it's a mass money laundering scheme. The corporate press is. Um, yeah, they are not the independent media. It's it's like we we have uh, you know it's just a variation on state-run media, but through a, a more corporatistic lens. Yeah, I, well, it's it's especially embarrassing too in the month of June, which is <laughs> Pride Month. Well, there'll be like a Raytheon commercial with like the the Pride flag everywhere. You're like, all right, guys. It's like okay, it, it, this is what are we doing? What are we doing at this point? But you know, like I wish you know talk yeah. about. The, the success down in Arizona with school choice, some of the stuff that you guys got done up in Maine. It's like, it, it, I've talked about this with a whole bunch of other, you know, of, of our fellow commentators over the last couple months about how, like, Republicans should be, it should be like the biggest red wave in history. And they have all these candidates that are just trash. Like, especially on the Senate side, there's a lot of really bad candidates, like Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker, these guys that don't really understand policy at all. They don't understand economics. They're just famous, and, and, you know, Republicans nominated them for some reason. And it's like, 
we just have these unfocused candidates. We have candidates in Ohio talking about the southern border all the time, right? You have like candidates in like very non-Trumpy areas, just like doing their best Trump impression, just because he was like the last Republican standard bearer, and they think that's what's going to win automatically. Yeah. And it's just like, man, all you have to do is focus on what the Democrats are doing, like focus on the economy. Yeah. Like de- Democrats are handing Republicans a win on economics on a silver platter. Like, and it's not just that they're all Keynesians or, or worse. It's also because they're just they're, they're completely in their own world. They're they're so out of touch. Jennifer Granholm yesterday, she's she's something in the Biden regime. I think Energy Secretary maybe. Yeah. That sounds right. But she was on one of the Sunday yeah. shows yesterday, and uh, the 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 journalist asked her about inflation. She's like, "Well, people can get a thirty percent discount on solar panels." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's the best. That's the best the Democrats have. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you 10% off a of Tesla. Yeah, we'll, we'll write you a subsidy check for some solar panels. It's like, man, they're not, they disdain the working class. They're not, they're not the party of the working mm-hmm. class. And they're handing us this on a silver platter. And, and these candidates just, for some reason, they're not focusing on, on real yeah. life. I wish I could bring like you and then whatever feller introduced the school choice bill in, in Arizona and sit, sit these candidates down in a room and you can teach them how to campaign. Because it's like, man, this should be the easiest cycle to camp as a Republican. This should be the easiest campaign cycle in the world. Yeah, I, th- I think that we, we risk suffering in the Republican Party from uh, a, a, a wave of populism without principle. Right. right. Um, so, you know, I think one of the I, I think one of the bad lessons to take away from the Trump era is that we just need populism. Uh, we certainly do need populism. We need to get popular support. We need to engage the public. We need to hit on on things that uh, get you know regular people who maybe are often tuned out of politics engaged and ready to lean in and and be a part of um, you know taking our country back. Uh, and, you know, the best the best model for for doing that in a principled way is the model that, you know, Congressman Ron Paul laid forward. He was an absolute populist with principle. And because he was a populist with principle, he was able to uh, those those principles that he espoused were able to be kind of emulated and carried on by so, so many after him, um, uh, whether it was Senator Rand Paul or Thomas Massey or so many of the folks getting elected to state legislatures across the country. Uh, the danger, I think, with the Trump blueprint is um, Trump, uh, you know, was more focused on, you know, the bigger impression was the populism side of things. And the principles were sometimes a little all over the place. It's like you weren't necessarily always sure day to day. I mean, a few kind of takeaways of like an America first foreign policy and less intervention and all that. But it's but it's hard to you know really articulate like what is the worldview of Trumpism. And right. so I think the danger is we are getting like. It's like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. People trying to emulate Trumpism without really having kind of a clear all, all they're taking away is the populism aspects of it. And the underlying philosophy is is uh, it was it was murky to begin with. And it's getting more and more lost as you get kind of uh, more copycats. So uh, if if but of course, if that's all we do, maybe you get some you know populist without principle elected, but they're not going to know what to do when they get there. Uh, and ultimately, they're not going to be a threat to the establishment, uh, which is, frankly, I think why the establishment, you know, prefers this kind of uh, this vague populism versus like a Senator Rand Paul, who's like a surgeon who knows right where to go right. to cut out corruption. Um, so. So, yeah, I think we, we certainly need more Rand Pauls in this in this Republican Party, uh, you know, populists with principle versus people who just have the populist end of the equation. 
Yeah, I think you tweeted you. I think you tweeted something to that effect earlier or, or yesterday maybe, and uh, you know you're like, yeah, I'd rather have a, a wrecking ball, just challenging the system than nothing than Mitt Romney. You know, who's just like a a part of right. the 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 uniparty you know regime. Um, but yeah, a, a a surgeon, somebody that actually is knows how to cut out the the infection, uh, is actually I, I, clearly preferable. But uh, yeah, you know, I I, I will have to. I'll, I'll give you a chance. I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to celebrate um, the neoconservatives truly being run out of the Republican Party. I mean, it only took forty five years, <laughs> but I guess. Better late than never. You saw Liz Cheney lose by by whatever. I, I forget who tweeted, but it was like uh, maybe she only compared herself to Lincoln because she just lost by four score and seven percentage points. You know, it was like a complete landslide. Her primary opponent got like seven percent, something like that. Um, and you know, these people, these these neoconservatives, Ding-dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a that was a first round knockout, man. That was that was one of those one punch knockouts. I mean, and it's and these people, they they're. they're You've seen it with like the Bill Crystals of the world, and 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 all these these David French and all these people. They've all basically joined the Democratic Party. The neocons came from the Democratic Party in the in the 60s. They only became Republicans when the Republican Party became more hawkish. Um, but you know, f- from the Democratic Party they came, and to the Democratic Party they have returned. Um, I guess better late than never. It is it is encouraging. Well, they fit in better with Hillary Clinton. They 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 they're great bedfellows, and I wish them all the best together. Um, <laughs> no. Um, you know, I, you know, one thing I will say to I, I'm sure I don't know how many people will be listening to your show who who are like, uh, you know, liberals who love Liz Cheney and think she's so wonderful because she is against Donald Trump. But if any of those folks are listening, I just want to say to you, you need to understand Liz Cheney does not hate Donald Trump for the same reasons that you hate Donald Trump. No. Liz Cheney hates Donald Trump because he dared to ask questions about the forever wars and the the vast neoconservative uh, Amer- neoliberal American empire that's been built over the last uh, several decades and dared to put forward an America first foreign policy that got the American people thinking, you know, maybe we don't need to be globalists. Maybe we don't need to be the policemen of the world. Maybe we're going bankrupt doing this and it's it would be better to to focus our efforts more on fixing our problems in our own country. That's why Liz Cheney hates Donald Trump. It's because he posed even a modicum of a threat to the military industrial complex. So if you hate Donald Trump because he says mean tweets or you hate Donald Trump because he's not like, I don't know, pro LGBTQ enough or because, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, know that that's not why Liz Cheney hates Donald Trump and Liz Cheney hates Donald Trump for all the reasons why you should hate Liz Cheney. So don't get suckered in to this. These uh, neoconservatives who say I'm your friend because the enemy of your enemy is your friend. Liz Cheney is not your friend unless you are someone who who really wants the com- continued dominance of the war machine and the surveillance, uh, the surveillance state. Or if you're a quote-unquote moderate uh, rebel in the Middle East who wants some uh, sick new weapons, <laughs> then then you should be a big fan of Liz Cheney. Um, I mean, this is the same woman who uh, who attacked John McCain for being insufficiently pro-war because he was against torture. And I guess to John McCain's credit, he was obviously against torture his entire uh, career. He knew a thing or two about that. So, yeah, um, I mean, they, on the only really... thing John McCain was yes. good on. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, and, and he had a little bit of experience with. I think we could bit. actually 
perhaps defer a little bit to John McCain on this one. He's got some firsthand experience with the horrors of torture. No, no, we need the uh, wisdom of Liz Cheney when talking about you know torturing people. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. Liz Cheney, the the queen of the war profiteers. It has been interesting. We can end after this. It's been interesting since the the FBI raided Trump's house a couple weeks ago to see a lot of these young, you know, populist type candidates running for Congress, running for office across the country, uh, openly talking about defunding the FBI. I mean, I'm welcome, you know, welcome. I mean, I'm glad to have them on board. Uh, but it, it is interesting to see talking points like that making its way into mainstream Republican politics. Um, like even like last night, Ted Cruz of all people tweeted, "Abolish the IRS." You know, what I mean, Ted Cruz, like he's no libertarian. You know, um, I mean, perhaps. Well, that's a Republican position now. Someone yeah. in 2016 got that into the Republican national platform. I yeah. wonder who that was. Wonder who that was. I mean, it just like <laughs> perhaps the left has finally pushed like the mainstream right to the point where they're finally ready to like take a second look at what Ron Paul's been talking about for the last 40 years. You know, like, I, it is encouraging seeing all these, like, hashtag defund the FBI and all that. You know, it's like, uh, you're right, it did make it into the platform in, in, in 2016, but it's like... Or, or, abolishing, or abolishing the IRS, anyway, not not defunding well, the right, FBI. Not, that may have been a bridge too far in 2016. <laughs> yeah, but it's encouraging, man. I, I don't know, I, like, I don't try, you know, I, I'm not I'm not expecting Ted Cruz to, to introduce a bill abolishing the IRS tomorrow or, or, you know, the day that the Republicans take back the Senate or whatever. But, I mean, sometimes it's just education that, that drives these issues further. And, like, it, the fact that re- just mainstream kind of milquetoast Republicans are talking like that is, you know, even if it's all smoke, it is it is encouraging. Well, I think, it, it you know, it, it, it demonstrates a, a very growing distrust of just the apparatus of Washington, D.C. itself. And... So many of the institutions we've never been allowed to question or, or, you know, or question their legitimacy and their value to us. Now those things are on the table and they should be. I mean, you know, after five years of being continually lied to by these three letter agencies in Washington, D.C., um, you know, eventually. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, five. I mean, since the election of Donald Trump, I mean, we we really it's time to wake up. <laughs> you know, it's time to realize that these people don't have our best interests at heart. Uh, they openly manipulate our elections. I mean, that's what the whole Russia collusion investigation was all about. I always go back to this. I mean, the Russia collusion investigation succeeded at what it set out to do. They didn't prove the, any Russian collusion. They found no evidence of it, but they dragged the investigation on for the entire first two years of Donald Trump's presidency and didn't conclude it until after the midterm elections that put Nancy Pelosi in the speakership in Congress. And they were feeding these little these little tidbits of, of mis- misleading breadcrumbs to the corporate press that were just regurgitated without any deep questioning. Uh, you had Adam Schiff. You know, Donald Trump called Shifty Schiff going on. There was MSNBC or CNN before the midterm saying, I've seen the smoking gun evidence that Donald Trump colluded with Russia and it will come out soon. Just go to the voting box and vote Democrat and we'll tell we'll show you that evidence after you got to elect us to see what's in it. Right. So um, it, it succeeded in doing what it set out to do. It was clearly an effort by these supposedly nonpartisan intelligence agencies to use the media to manipulate voter behavior. And it worked. And and th- so 
yeah, a, a lot of American people, particularly conservatives who used to be the folks who were, you know, cheering on kind of these institutions under the Bush administration are, are coming to realize that uh, we have given them far too much power and not nearly enough accountability. Man, and they use the Russia stuff as just a blanket, get whatever they want for, you know, for the entire Trump. Right. I mean, remember when Trump was uh, he talked about pulling the troops out of Syria and then the CIA just makes up the the. The, the fake story about Russia putting bounties on U.S. Marines and, and whatnot. I mean, they just used Vladimir Putin as just a blanket, we get to do whatever we want Absolutely. across the world um, for, for years and years. And I, I certainly do hope people are waking up. I, I hope right. guys like Ted Cruz right. and people like that are willing to put their money where their mouth is, not just, you know, tweeting something like that just, to, you know, just for social media. Um, well, yeah. Well, this is the thing. They know we, we have an instinct as human beings when we see smoke, we assume that there's fire, right? Uh, and so they just blew a lot of smoke to lead us to believe there must be a fire. There must be a fire there. I mean, how could we hear about this on CNN for Every four years for, if yeah. there wasn't some truth to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's terrible, man. I, I hope I hope people are waking up. You see, you know, you see people at at CNN getting fired now. Brian Stelter got fired. Apparently, like their ratings were so Good bad. Good riddance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then people, you know, people make funny. They, they make fun of them. They call them a potato and then say all this stuff. And then it's like, man, these people are malicious. These people are they aren't just like ignorant and know nothings on, on cable news. I mean, they're they're literally part and parcel. They, they are part of the entire system, the entire regime and the military industrial complex. They are truly uh, wicked. Uh, they're malicious people that are that have caused a lot of damage across the world um eric i know you got to get back to the campaign trail my brother a lot of doors to knock today i'm sure a lot of uh babies to shake and and and, and stuff like that so where can everybody uh, get involved with the campaign where can everybody donate money uh, or volunteer uh hit us with the website and twitter and all that good stuff yeah um Go to breakyforsenate.com and chip in what you're able to i would really appreciate it we've raised seventy thousand dollars to date uh, but we we've got an eighty thousand dollar budget, so we still got ten thousand to raise. Uh, even if you chip in five dollars, it makes a difference, and I appreciate it very much. And if you donate at least twenty five dollars, you'll get a personal handwritten thank you card in the mail from me. So please go ahead and do that. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook at Eric Brakey for Maine Senate. That's our campaign page where you get more updates on the campaign. And you can just generally follow my thoughts and musings on Twitter at Senator Brakey and subscribe to my podcast, Free America Now. Everybody follow Eric. He's great. Everybody check out the website. Get Eric to 80K by the end of the week. Let's do it. Come on. Even if you've only got 10 bucks, uh, you know, put your money where your mouth is, folks. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. <laughs>